never been there. The nearly grown-up adventures of Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Chapter 8, in which Huck finally finishes the strawberry and Tom finally tells the truth. After Rodrigo had let us live, that is, only after he'd threatened to kill us so we'd remember that we were going to die, well, after that, Tom and I resumed our long walk west. I was troubled by everybody being so darn eager to give me advice about how to live life. Did I look that lost? I wasn't searching for the meaning of life, though I wouldn't have minded a few tips on the ordinary stuff. I mean, <laughs> it's the day-to-day -day stuff that'll drive you crazy put one step in front of the other, live one day at a time. How are you supposed to do that? How the hell do you walk by the abyss every day without peeking into it, especially with it laying there staring up at you the whole time? About the abyss, it was at this time in our travels that we made it to the Grand Canyon. I went to the rim of the canyon by myself, and you probably remember what happened then. Slipping, falling, hanging onto the branch, the snake, the strawberry, all that stuff. Just as we had begun this story all those chapters ago, Huck was hanging off a cliff a thousand feet above an unpleasant death, and the way up was blocked by a rattlesnake. And now that the strawberry he'd found there was eaten and gone, Huck's story seemed over. Somehow it was all right to him. Stories do have an end. Then something smacked him in the face, hard enough that he nearly let go of the branch. It was a thick, scratchy rope, looking much like the one Rodrigo had used to tie them up. Huck, do you see the rope? You mean the one that hit me in the face? <laughs> yeah, that'd be the one. Grab on, and I'll pull you up. All right, I've grabbed on, but when you pull me up, I want you to... No, wait, slow down. I got you. No, don't pull me past the... Ow! Oh my god, that hurts. I'm pulling you up as fast as I can, okay? There. I got you. Safe on top again. You idiot. I just saved your life. You just got me bit by a rattlesnake. Uh, it's not a problem. Everybody knows how you deal with a snake bite. Here's my knife. Now where to bite you? Right here by my back pocket. Back there, huh? Oh, golly. And with that, Huck passed out. Tom looked down at his unconscious friend and saw the bite marks on the back of his pants. He nervously rolled the knife handle in his hand and looked around to see if anyone was watching. With no one there to tell the story later, Tom knelt down to attend to Huck's wound. It was a tough few days for Huck getting over the snake bite. He stayed laid out on the ground, unable to move much, ran a high fever, and was in considerable and constant pain. The local Indians took pity on these two hapless, helpless white men. The natives gave them food and herbal medicines in the hope that our heroes would soon get better and get gone from Indian land. Both outcomes eventually happened. Once back on the trail, which was no longer a trail but now open, flat, featureless desert, things seemed different between Huck and Tom. This had less to do with the cuts Tom had made into Huck's right buttock and more to do with something brewing inside Huck. It was only a matter of time before it blew up. You haven't talked lately about the money waiting for us in San Francisco. You got any water left? No. I'm getting pretty thirsty. It's a desert. It's a million degrees. There's no shade. You're supposed to get thirsty. What's the deal with the money? What money? 
the money you haven't talked about lately. You worry too much about the wrong things. There isn't any money, is there? Uh, never was, I imagine. Nope, no money, no quick fix, no easy out, no deus ex machina for you. I knew it. I knew you were lying. I should have guessed when I saw your lips moving. Doesn't matter either way, because your problem has nothing to do with money. You're an expert on my problems. Should be, after listening to you for 2,000 miles. Look at you, you get every possible break, wind up with the perfect life, and you can't stop complaining about it. My perfect life? That's pretty funny, coming from Mr. Float through it all like it's a picnic, do whatever you want, and have everything turn out perfect for you. You're so stupid, I want to throw up just listening to you. Which part was perfect? The dead mom? The drug dad who tried to kill me? Was it the no home and no family, or was it the ex-friend who feeds me to rattlesnakes and tortures me with his incessant prattling? What's right with your life? I'll make a list. From nothing, you make a whole world, you fall in love with someone else's girl, I might add, have the grit to get married, have kids, go to work, and come home to a house of folks waiting for you to come home. It came so easy for you, you don't even know what you have. And then, the absolute pinnacle of idiocy, you let it turn to crap right there in your hands. And then you have the nerve to complain about it, of all the self-centered, self-absorbed, solipsistic sons of bitches. That's when Huck hit him. He swung around and popped Tom with a roundhouse that shook them both to the core. Yeah, and you know what else? You hit like a girl. Even before the fight, the desert heat had made them slow and listless. So much so that this fight was not so much a fight as each taking a swing at the other, wheezing from exhaustion, then standing there waiting for the opponent's swing. The fight was unlikely to make it past a dozen punches when Huck lost his footing, fell backward, and hit his head on something hard, something too hard to be out there in the middle of the desert. He rolled over, wiped the dust off the hard something, and found it to be railroad tracks. His eyes followed the rails toward the horizon, and sure enough, there was a faint puff of black smoke and a distant whistle. That's it. I'm taking the train. Sure, if you want to do it the easy way. There really isn't any money, is there? No. I lied, all right? You weren't smart enough to go on an adventure for the right reasons. You probably still wish you stayed home. Damn right I do. You're an idiot, and too much of an idiot to see who's trying to help you. The approaching sounds of the train covered the uneasy quiet after Tom's last comment. But harsh as it was, it stung with truth. Ah, hell, I'm sorry about, you know... Don't worry. I know you didn't mean it. I did mean it. I'm just saying sorry about hitting you. Yeah, okay. I really do mean all that stuff. I hate what you've done with your life. I'd give anything to have what you've been so careless with. You mean Becky? Yeah, not her in particular, but the whole wife-family life aspect. You wondered why I never came back after we'd grown up? It's because you found by staying put what I couldn't find traveling everywhere else. The more I searched for a life, the more I got mad at you for finding one. Why'd you come back, then? Thought starting over would work. And what happens? I do meet someone, but she's married and her husband wants to kill me and maybe her and now I can't find her to rescue, but instead I'm fighting you out in the middle of nowhere. She does seem to like me, though. You got that impression, too, didn't you? Yeah... I think she likes you. I thought so, too. If only I knew where she was, that she was okay, and maybe we could have a chance together. Huck waved the train to a stop, and when it did, there sitting in the window of the car was Laurel and her two boys. Tom was too thunderstruck to move or breathe or say anything. When Laurel saw Tom, her eyes warmed and a smile lit up her face, but she shut down just as fast, putting a hushing finger to her lips. She nodded furtively, showing Tom who was sitting there next to her. It was Cranston. Tom and Huck ducked below the window to hide. What do we do now? Get on the train. <laughs>
Good idea. And so they did. With a lurch forward, Huck finally began the train ride he had hoped for, though events now were a bit more complicated than he'd imagined. Chapter 8 was performed by Alex Parker as Huck, Gus Krieger as Tom, Vahan Musikian was our reader, and James Whitmore Jr. was the voice of old Huck. Our music was written and performed by Mark Feinberg. The story is based on characters created by Mark Twain. Never Been There was written and directed by Krishna Rao. All rights are reserved by the author. Visit our website at neverbeentherepodcast.com. This is Jessica Straub. I hope you've enjoyed the show.